back, everybody. We are back at it with another week, another podcast, another episode. Yeah, this one's going to be a good one, I think. Uh, we got, let me turn up my gain a little bit. I think I'm a little quiet. Um, yep. We got a good uh, session today. So I think we can kind of like shoot the shit a little bit in the beginning, kind of see where everybody's at or where both of us are at. And then we'll kind of talk about the Arnold Classic. Uh, so two big shows each year that we get to really enjoy. Um, as far as like the biggest shows, which is going to be the Olympia and the Arnold. Um, the Olympia takes place different different days each year but the the arnold classic usually takes place right around now end of february beginning of march um the olympia 2022 um was december 15th through the 18th so it usually does take place in the middle of december but it used to take place in october um but yeah so we got the arnold classic to talk about which is exciting yeah and then also a little bit of personal updates too since that affects uh my training and what's going on. Um, yeah. But yeah, something big happened this week, huh? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, and if anybody watching the camera just saw it, I'm doing this weird crossover to drink my coffee because of that. Yep. It's a good, so, old, uh, good old incident. Yep. Uh, so basically what happened. Um, one sec. So basically what happened is that. Um, I was playing in a student staff basketball game, and when I was playing in that game, I tend to go pretty intense, and there was a loose ball, and I uh, dove for the loose ball. Someone else went for the loose ball, and I caught a knee to the head, and it knocked me uh, clean out, like completely out. I had no idea where I was when I woke up, probably mildly concussed too, so that's a ton of fun. Um and I'm told that when I hit the ground, I landed on my hand very poorly. Um, and at the time, I didn't even notice it. So I, you know, someone helped me up. I got over to the bench. Then I went to another room. I laid down for a bit. And then like five minutes went by. And then I checked back into the game. And uh, when I got back out there, I found one of my buddies who was on the court. And I could feel that my pinky was messed up. And I thought it was just a dislocated uh, finger because I was looking at the knuckle and the nu- the uh, pinky knuckle was where the ring knuckle was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, had my buddy just, you know, uh, he, I bent over a little bit to suck in the, the, the upcoming pain and he popped it back into place for me. And we both f- heard and felt the pop so that we knew it was back into place. Uh, so and you, then, knew, you knew for sure it was dislocated before. Yep. Yep. Okay. I mean, just from the placement, it had to be. Um, yeah. And it also popped when we moved it. So that is kind of a uh, giveaway. Mm-hmm. And then I went to urgent care afterwards to just make sure that we had realigned it properly and everything. Um, and when I got there, they had me go into the x-ray. And also, I went urgent care, not primary care, because it was like eight at night. Um, mm-hmm. and so I went into the x-ray, they took a couple shots and I went back to the, uh, into the little room they have you wait in. And when they came in, I was like, so did we realign the, the, uh, the finger properly? And she was like, oh yeah, it's, you realign, like, it's not dislocated anymore. You just broke your hand. <laughs> so nice. it's on the fifth metacarpal, uh, on my left hand. It's what essentially the, what connects my pinky to my hand and it is just the break is just uh 
I have to check the picture again. It's either just above or just below the knuckle. I'm going to look at so it. So it's just the big part sure. of the pinky, right? Uh, it is. Bone? Uh, well, it's in my bone? hand. It's in my hand. So you can see where oh. the knuckles are. And because it's that, that's that ball right there. And yeah. that here, shoot me, I, shoot me the photo real quick. Just text me yep. the photo real quick. I can do that. Pull it up. Yeah. Cause I was looking at it wrong. I thought I was looking at the big, the big bone in your pinky. So I was like, Oh, that'd be fine for training. That's not no. that you just get a splint. Yeah, no, this okay. is okay. Uh, okay. I see now. Damn. Yeah. You did break your hand. Okay. And if you zoom in, you can see where the clear cut line is, but then do you see that dark sliver that's riding just beneath the clear cut line? Yes. That is a second break. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like one it break not on the left a, side, two breaks yeah. on the right almost. It is not a clean break at all. Um, yeah. And so what I now have to, you know, deal with is this. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those who are watching, I just lifted. Uh, and for those not watching, I have essentially a full forearm to finger cast. Um, well, this is a temporary one because I was at urgent care and I have an ortho appointment on Wednesday to decide if I need surgery and whatnot, because like I said, it's not a clean break and I need <sighs> to, uh, yeah. So if it's, if it doesn't require surgery, I'm probably looking at 46 weeks. Uh, and if I do Hopefully. need surgery, we're probably closer to the six to eight, potentially even 10 week range. Um, mm. So that is a huge setback on my end, but I called my coach the very next day and I was like, Hey man, this is what happened. Uh, I obviously want to keep training and I know I can, I think you and I talked about it. Like I can crush, uh, abs and legs for sure. Yeah. Um, what can I do for the rest of it? And that's what got me to a really interesting conversation point, And I did a, a decent amount of research myself. Um, but unilateral work. So, or, um, if you'll hear bilateral work a lot, but unilateral work is just training one side of your body uh, or like one muscle group. And, you know, for example, my next day, according to the plan would be my shoulder day. And obviously if you look at my hands. I can, <laughs> I can only grip one dumbbell in right now in my right hand. I cannot grip anything in my left hand, nor am I able to angle anything and probably if I go to the top of the range, my finger is going to get um, triggered a little bit just because of how the cast is. Uh, so I asked him about this, and essentially there are neuropathways within our muscles and within our nerves, our fiber, literally everything. It's what connects everything in our body to our brain. That's uh, within every little part of our body. And there are studies that have been done. Um, so, for example, if anyone wants to take a look, uh, Ace Fitness is not a research uh, article, but it is a um, reliable fitness uh, website with a lot of uh, research-based material. So this particular uh, article is stating that unilateral, unilateral work will is shown to keep the neural pathways open and active so i'm not going to be gaining any muscle on my left side so for example if i'm shoulder pressing my right delt is going to be worked obviously because it's under strenuous pressure because i'm actually performing the dumbbell uh shoulder press 
-hmm. whereas my left delt is not going to be under any kind of intense stimuli. It's not actually being worked in a um, muscle-gaining hypertrophy way, but what is happening is that just the activation of the muscle on the other side is going to trigger my brain to think about the other side, and that in itself keeps the muscles active on my left side, which, again, will not, will not gain muscle, but everyone in the who is in the gym knows that if you take three weeks off of the gym, that's when you start to see muscle deterioration um, because you your body decides it doesn't need it anymore if you don't touch it for three weeks. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's two weeks, sometimes it's four weeks, but three weeks is generally your golden number. And so what this particular area of fitness is going to do is that it's going to delay that process for me. So obviously this is not a long-term thing. I can't do this for a year and be fine. But yeah. if I have a four to six week recovery time, I should be good. Eight to 10 is when it gets a little bit gray, like in the gray area. But mm -hmm. right now, if I can keep it to six, maybe seven weeks, I should be able to keep my uh, tone and muscle definition and size on my left side. Um, yeah, at least maintain and, it. Yeah, and of course, that's all upper body. And there are some upper body things I'm still going to be able to hit. Like my gym has a uh, machine seated machine lateral raise that the pads are uh, pressed against your biceps, like the yeah. outside or kind of your triceps even and yeah, so for that yeah, yeah, yeah i could still do that and so there's yeah. gonna be some sh like shoulder variants that i'm gonna be able to do um and honestly i might try squatting still um yeah, i just have to that. yeah i think i might smith machine it because with the smith machines i mean i know smith machine squats are the you know the the joke of the the gym world but no not if, at all mm, i disagree um, but <laughs> I, I mean, if you take them serious, like if you, if you do it properly, they're not, but it's a lot of people do them improperly and that's why we could, they become kind of a joke, but yeah, go ahead. But I think more so what I mean by doing, uh, Smith machine squats for me is that mm -hmm. it keeps the bar. Like I hypothetically can just use my right hand to lock and unlock the bar. And as long mm -hmm. as I'm staying in the same spot going down, which, you know, it's a Smith machine, you have to. Um, like as long as your angle's not fucked on the uh, Smith machine, um, I should be able to do a no uh, hand squat or even just a very lightly assisted right hand squat. Yeah. Um, but luckily we got hack squat at Empire, so I can crush that without any worries. So my legs really won't be taking that big of a toll on this whole thing. Um, I just can't do some of the movements I like to do. Um, yeah. And then, of course, chest day is obviously just going to be such a tough one now. Um, triceps and biceps I should be fine with because a lot of a lot of that cable work I can do with one hand. Um, so I should be fine in terms of buys and tries. Back will be another kind of tough one. I know it'll I for me, it'll just be the mental side of back because, again, this uh, unilateral work is shown to keep the neuropathways open on the other side, but mentally I need to get myself to under, like just train, like mentally train the right side 
because when we say put like your mind into the muscle, like the old Arnold method, like I've been doing that for my back. Like if I'm hitting upper back, I'm in my upper back, both sides. So now I have to add an additional layer of just saying, all right, I'm staying in the right side because I know the left side is going to be uh, activated, just not strenuously worked. So yeah, it's a big process. I I got really down on myself at first because I thought I wasn't going to be able to lift, but then uh, I got myself straight with my coach and we're kind of in recovery mode now. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's all you really can do. And I think that with his guidance, um, I think you'll be okay. And, you know, it's honestly like kind of the way I look at it is like, it's better now than later, like, especially prepping for a show or like really like hypothetically being on a cycle or something like that. Like it's better now while you're, you're natty, you're, you're just pushing weight right now. You're trying to gain some size. I think now was if there was going to be a time to have it happen now is the perfect time not that obviously we want it to happen but <laughs> i think that it could have been it could have been much much worse timing so um i'm glad that it happened when it did um and now going forward once that bone does heal it will be stronger so you would be you know less prone to another break but something i was mentioning too it, in the case that you guys have it kind of like the side lateral machine if you had like a chest fly machine that has pads on the inside of your elbows, you can do something like that potentially. Um, and then when it comes to like delts, something I was thinking about was like, so you can use the you can use the um, side lateral delt machine for your side laterals, but then what you can also do is lean into it, stand up and lean into it, and that'll be your rear delts. You push from the outside of your elbows. So mm. I know what machine you're talking about. So when you're sitting, you go like this, and the pads kind of like out here. Uh, maybe a little bit on your elbow, depending on the plate, seat placement. So if you stand up, lean forward, and push from the outside of your elbows, that'd be kind of like your rear delts. So you could work your rear, del rear delts a little bit. Um, front delts, you can do um, potentially a similar machine, maybe. Um, it just You just got to pull up to front, whatever. you know. So I mean, if there's a way to figure that out, then um, I don't know how your machine's built. The one at gym I go to, it's um, I could not fit sideways into it to do front del it would not work um but some of them are further out some of them are adjustable so i have no idea but um and another thing to consider too is for delts specifically um maybe even triceps if you had a like a wrist wrap that can connect to a cable machine you could potentially attach that to your cast when you get a hard cast and use that for side lateral uh row or uh side lateral raises or just lateral raises in general you can do front and lateral raises and then also your tricep extensions too um so it wraps around your wrist and it connects to the cable machine so that's another thought but if your coach says to not do that you know not to risk or whatever it is you know whatever he says not to do then don't do it but that's just an idea i had at least when you were talking about it um there's ways yeah. around it but <clears throat> and i mean this whole next two three weeks is just going to be experiment phase because yeah on Wednesday, I'll probably find out if I need surgery or not. So then uh, if I find out Wednesday that I do, that's probably a Friday type situation. And then mm -hmm. I'm not going to be allowed to be even in the gym for a couple of days after surgery. So that's, yeah. I mean, I might be able to go do some cardio or something, but that's about it. Um, and so then the next week after that and probably another week following that, we'll just be experimenting, trying to figure out what I can do. Um but yeah, it's just, it's a very daunting uh, road ahead, yeah. especially when I was 
just finally getting into a groove of things. But <laughs> yeah, I know that's just kind of how how life goes, man. Yep, yep. And I think that now with this going on, I think you could potentially like change the program. You know, instead of like trying to put on weight, maybe shift it so that you're right at maintenance or like just below maintenance so that you can do kind of like a very very lean cut just kind of shed a little bit of fat over the next couple months and then just kind of come back at it i mean you it wouldn't be like night and day but at least it'd be like you know he might need to adjust your food either way because you're going to be burning less calories uh so you know less intake because less burning but i have no idea if that's his plan um or not, but I mean, you know, everybody goes through something like this. Everybody goes through injuries and all that and setbacks. So you're not alone. Um, and, you know, I'm glad that at least, you know, your coach has the expertise to know what to do and, and at least keep your neural pathways open so that you're, you're, you're still moving. You're still keep staying active and the muscle groups are still kind of activating in a way. So good guidance at least, which is good. Yeah. And I think it's just going to be, you know, especially when it comes to my leg stuff that I can actually do. Like we'll probably end up switching to higher volume with less weight, just because even though I'm training legs, your whole body gets stressed, especially when you do high weight, like oxygen just in general doesn't flow to other areas of the body when you're doing very, very high stress for other muscle groups. Like if I'm doing nine plates for a leg press, not that I'd, leg press anymore but if i was doing like nine plates for a leg press even though that's a leg movement the oxygen mm-hmm. in the rest of my body is not being distributed properly so that's probably something i want to be avoiding anyways just because i need that blood flow and oxygen into my hand for the recovery process so yeah i'll probably talk to him about switching crazy. everything to a high volume lightweight um especially since I'm in more so muscle retention right now instead of muscle building. Because if I stick with muscle building, yeah, my, I'm going to become disoriented, not disoriented, uh, almost disfigured. Because my, uh, think about it, a month and a half, almost two months of right hand over or right side overload, I would look like, you know, I, I would be a wobbling tower at that point. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's definitely going to have to switch for what we're actually the, what, what the goal of our training is. Right. I mean, at least for now, I mean, it's not like six months, you know, we're not talking about like literally setting everything back like six to eight weeks, even at that is, you know, not the longest period of time. I mean, it sucks, but it's not going to ruin anything. Um, and what he could do, like I said, you know, kind of just keep you maintaining, keep you up maintenance calories from what he can understand. Cause you guys have been working for together for too, too long. Um, so he can kind of guess what your maintenance calories could be and then kind of go from there and then maybe even like increase cardio potentially um, to keep you active, keep your blood flowing, keep your heart strong um, during the recovery process. Um, and then, you know, hopefully maybe even incorporate a little bit of calorie burning from that cardio. Obviously, I mean, I, I've always said this before, you shouldn't really be looking at cardio as like where you're going to burn your calories. That's your, your heart health, your, your overall cardiovascular health. Uh, that's what cardio is called. It's cardiovascular training. So it's for your overall cardiovascular system, but training, training, that's where you burn the calories. So I think that maybe if you like increase your, uh, increase your cardio, um, you know, maybe train like legs and then everything else separately, like one sided stuff, like twice a week or something, you train legs twice a week. So like four days a week or something. And then like, 
you do cardio maybe four or five times a week for like 45 minutes or something. I think that, you know, that'll keep you pretty active and um, you can kind of enjoy that process a little bit, at least for the next like four to six weeks after potential surgery and everything. Hopefully you don't need surgery. Um, but uh, I mean, if the doctor says you need surgery, then you need surgery. I mean, it is what it is, but Wednesday will kind of, you know, let us know what the future entails. Yeah. And the only thing that makes me worried is that I didn't even see the second breakage originally. I yeah. saw the the main sliver right under the le- under the uh, knuckle of the, the left pinky, and I was like, "Oh, cool! It's one break. We'll realign. It'll reattach itself." And then mm-hmm. I sent it to a person. Well, the person that was the science teacher I worked with, and she was like, "Hey, you know, there's a second break, right?" And I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> So since there's two breaks and it's not a clean break because one goes, you know, at like a 45 degree angle through the uh, bone and the other one's dropping like straight down at like yeah. a, almost like an 80 degree angle. Um, it doesn't go through the other side. Exactly. So because yeah. of that, I'm thinking they might need to pin it up and like force the bone to remold to itself. So the one that breaks on the right side, does that connect to the left side at all? I can't really tell. It doesn't look like it even connects to the left side. That's so like her left break that stops <laughs> the break, in the middle. It's, you're talking about on the left pinky, right? Yes. Yeah. So like looking at the photo, yep. there's the left side break that kind of comes out the top of that. Yeah. And that one goes hole. clean through and then. Okay. So there, so the part that ends in the middle there. Right, that's kind of right in the smack dab middle. That's the part that's not a clean break, correct? Correct. That's the that's okay. literally like splitting my bone. That's right. that's what that's doing, which is right horrifying so, to think. <laughs> so just to be clear, the right side break, you see how it goes out the right side. Yep, that's connected to the left side, correct? Yeah, yeah. You okay. can. Right. There's just a little sliver that connects it, and then the other okay. one cuts is like dividing my bone in half, which is yeah. So it's kind of like a Y. But yeah. one side is clean break. One side stops in the middle. Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. I just want to be sure that that left side, because it, it, it kind of, for the x-ray, it doesn't quite look like it, it connects. So I'm like, oh, crap. Did you not have a clean break at all? But I wanted to be sure of that. So that's why I figured I'd ask. Yeah. But it's... That's, that's tough. And the <laughs> other problem, too, um, is that when you are healed, for a probably quite a long time, you're going to have to adjust how you're training to kind of take into account potential pain, um, which I wanted to mention real quick. It's nothing compared to this, but I have a, um, I have a broken hand as well. My left hand, it's the joint that connects my, my thumb, essentially the thumb part of my hand to my wrist that split. So my thumb isn't essentially connected to my hand. And that it's only partially connected. So it, I went, we didn't realize it in the x-ray. Um, I went to a hand specialist and he's like, yeah, this is a break. Um, there's nothing really we could do about it because it was already too long after my, I had a motorcycle accident. So for me, it was just kind of managing, you know, irritation. So um, I think that when you're going to have this surgery potentially, or just this, this recovery process, whichever one it is, or really both, um, you're going to also have to adjust your training to potentially for a little while, not put much load 
on that mm -hmm. part of your hand, which is fine. I've had to adjust that way. And it's really the only thing it came down to was like how I put my hand on um, bars and machines and stuff like that for chest. That was the only thing it affected because if I put a lot of weight on the inside of my hand right here, um, it put it, it started to kill like the first like six months after my my motorcycle accident but then as time went on pain went away and went away went away now it's really not a problem but for a while there i had to adjust and pretty much that's how i got good at suicide grip um that pretty much every time i train chest very very seldom will i ever not use uh suicide grip because that's how i had to, I, how i had to do it i so, use suicide grip anyways just because uh i think one i did it for I think it's spirit as well, but I also started doing it because of the memes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wanting to die. Uh, yeah, so like she... crush walking with somebody else, and you're like, "Yep, suicide grip." It is. Pre, <laughs> the pre workout is looking at the old texts, and then then you suicide grip, and you text your buddy that you're uh, benching four or five as you've never done two twenty five before. <laughs> but yeah, um... that was my uh, that was my. Like I was like, cause I didn't really know any better at the time. I was pretty new. I mean, I was working with a coach at the time, um, but I was relatively new to the fitness industry for the most part. Um, like you're way beyond where I was at the time. Um, and my, the, the way I was working with my coach was mainly just like uh, lifestyle kind of stuff really. Um, but the, when I was doing suicide grip, I was just like, Oh, this is superior. This is well, this is not hurting, but I also feel like I get better chest activation. I didn't really know it was called suicide grip. I just knew that that's yeah. how my coach did some things. And it's just the bar placement was on the outside of my hand versus the inside. So you're gonna have to do the opposite, probably. You're probably gonna have to do more regular grip for chest, at least for the next like six months or so. Um, because if you do suicide, all the weight is gonna be pushing on the outside of your hand where that where that break is. Um so you might need to adjust, but for me, that's how I, that's where I had to put the weight. So I'm just like, oh, this just works better. I get better chest activation, blah, blah, blah. But then like a couple of years later, there's all these memes about suicide grip and wanting to die under their weight and shit like that. It's <laughs> like, I'm like, what? I'm like, this is a thing. I just thought this is just one way of gripping things, but it does make sense. I mean, I have dropped the weight on my chest once. It happened one time. It was a tricep press. Um, and I had 185 and I was pressing it and the bar slipped, um, and landed on my stomach and it wasn't, it didn't really hurt anything. I didn't break any ribs. Thank God. Did he sign the waiver? Did he sign the waiver? <laughs> yeah, for real though. Um, but it was at a powerlifting gym, so they were able to pull the weight off me. To, no problem. So it was, it was a pretty good situation, but I'm glad that I learned that lesson on a lighter weight at 185 versus like 205. Or no, not 205, like 225 or higher because I probably would have broken something. Um, yep. And like that shit's fucking scary. Um, mm -hmm. Even that 185, if you've ever like, have you ever dropped you could, weight on your chest from you, it? You could you could break your ribs just having the bar drop on your on your, on your rib cage. Like, oh, well, that's absolutely. 40, 45 coming down even from two feet up from, or just right. you know, whatever your range of yeah. motion is. Like that could absolutely crush at least your lower rib. And the the scary thing about rib cage breaks is that depending on which rib is breaking, it's not just your rib. It is whatever is directly behind it. So you can puncture yeah. a lung. You yeah. can you potentially skewer your own heart if you hit way up high. Like yeah. there is some messed up side effects that can happen right. with you know breaking a rib. <laughs> right. It it is scary. And um. And what's like. That's the 
sorry to, just to interrupt one more time that's why yeah. um some of the most lethal ufc or mma fighters are body shot specialists because not only are there pressure points throughout the your abdomen area and um upper chest but enough damage you can literally shut down a person's body so that's why you know hard hooks and like some boxers like focus on literally just taking those side shots in the uh, side of the person's frame because mm -hmm. enough build up there you know you can shut down a lung you can make it very difficult for the heart to pump out blood to the you know strained muscles so that's why you know, everyone looks for the headshot KO and in, in these, you know, mixed martial arts fighting sports. But honestly, body shot specialists are the people who are, I think are the most deadly because they can shut down your whole body. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. I don't really know too, too much about fighting, um, but I do know that um, attacking the body is usually the way to go. Um, mm -hmm. You can knock someone out pretty easily by with headshots or head kicks, but, um, you know, going for the body is really where most... Uh, you know, obviously, like both boxers and most UFC fighters really win. Obviously, well, just know, think about traps too, like you know, airway yeah. traps. But that's a that's UFC specifically. But boxing, yeah, definitely body. Think about how easy it is to lose your breath getting hit. Like you can oh, do that yeah. running into like a, like a good good accidental run into like a door frame or something can knock the wind out of you. And now yeah. imagine that repeated over and over again. And yeah. you're still having to guard your head because that's also an air. Like, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it is. It is. Boxers are wild. It's and you got to the, the thing for me, real, just as, as a quick side tangent, the thing for me that's scary for boxers is um, your eyes. Like, that's mm. what's scariest to me. Like, because there's cauliflower ear people talk about, but like they can still hear no problem. But like when you got your eyes and you're getting punched in the face a lot of them start getting their, their, um, what's it called? Their retina detached and yep. everything. And like, well, you start losing your sight and like, that's what would be a problem for me. Like I not could just yeah. like, not, not just that, but there's also, um, lazy eye stuff. Like I, before I took yeah. on my coach part of like twice a week, my cardio was sparring with my buddy and mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, both we're both guys who live in rough parts of town so we when we spar it's we're we're literally just boxing each other it's not even sparring at that point and mm. what ended up happening one time is i took a mean right jab that just connected clean with my left eye and i didn't fish eye but i was like realizing that my depth reception was off because my sight was not aligned <laughs> so that's also part of it yeah i, I would be I'd be hella terrified of that. Like, I feel like I'd rather yeah, boxing is such a good workout. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like though, I would rather have my ear, my, my hearing go before my sight goes. I think, mm. um, that the way, Mozart like, effect. I, yeah, I think, I think I could live. I, I would rather live deaf than live blind because living blind, there's so much less you can do in life and literally, okay, let me put it this way. My entire main passion, the entire reason we have this podcast is because of our eyesight. It is something that we are seeing from a bodybuilder. It is literally sight. It's how something looks, right? So if I ever lost my sight, I could never bodybuild again because I can't see myself in the mirror. I can't like, there's no point. There's no point to any of it. So I would immediately lose my main passion uh, where with going deaf, you could 
do really pretty much anything else. You know, you could do pretty much anything besides sight, you know, um, or besides hearing, which, which the, the hardest part would come down to hearing, you know, my family's voices and all that. But, um, I think I'd rather lose my hearing, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, I'm trying to find a, uh, blind bodybuilder right now. <laughs> I would be very surprised. I mean, I've seen blind skateboarders and stuff and, um, I think there's blind motorcycle racers, but a lot of that's also feeling too. It's how yeah. something feels. So like that makes sense. But like being a blind bodybuilder, I would still train, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bodybuild anymore because I can't see myself. I can't see the competition. I can't see anything. What's the point? Uh, I just found a pro bodybuilder, uh, Rick Welling. This is early 2000s. Rick Welling is an IF, was an IFBB pro uh, in, it looks like, overseas, um, but he is blind. That's, hold on, let me click on this video. Let me see what this is. He's says. Indian. Yeah, completely blind. And he has actually a really, really good physique. Wow. He's, he's diced. Look, oh my God. Look at those shoulders. Look, literally just his delts. Look at those. I'm, looking oh, at, my... I'm looking at a Facebook post. Indian bodybuilders of the world. Oh, Hold no, on, he's I'll not send... Indian. I mean, he's British, I think. I'll send you the uh, the video I just found. It's wild. He's he's walking out. Someone walks out with him. Um, it looks absurd. <laughs> yeah, he's got uh... good doubts. All right, I just uh, emailed completely... it to you. Is he really completely blind? He's got a stick. A walking stick or whatever you want to call I'm, a, it. I'm watching his full routine right now, but this is wild. He's okay. Granted, there's no one next to him to compare to, but he's he got size. He's got, yeah, imagine <laughs> you got well, a class be... assigned just for you because you're blind and you just win regardless. I mean, I wouldn't even care about winning. I'd just be happy to participate, I'd just be happy to compete. Now I'm gonna go into the blind wheelchair division, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can you can tell too just how much time he spent with a posing coach because he's nailing these these poses in his routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretty. He's he's hitting it. Um, get into like blind. He kind of has probably. a. He kind of has a bit of a, uh, you know, bloated lower midsection, but upper like the upper part of his frame is is incredible yeah he's just not sucking the gut all that great i mean he's blind <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's that's his number one thing right there is his he's blind um but yeah so i think this would be kind of a good segue a little bit into the arnold here um, yeah i mean but we're talking bodybuilder so yeah, so Arnold happened um, Friday and Saturday. So uh, the classic physique division finished up Friday. Men's physique and men's open finished up Saturday. So uh, the Arnold for men's open is a two-day event. So I think they do pre-judging Friday, and then we do, they do finals Saturday. Um, so let me see if I can find – so I got the winners here, but I want to see if I can find – all of the, the uh, routines. Rewards. No, the rewards because they increase. Oh, I got the, the rewards. Yeah, I was going to say they increase the dollar amount. So uh, 
Fitness Vault has them. Okay, let me pull it up here. I want to look at it at the same time. Okay, so well, okay, so men's open is three hundred thousand. Okay, here we go. So this is this is an article. Okay, so the Samson Samson. Okay, okay, there we go. Classic physique one sixty grand. Classic physique at the Olympia is fifty grand, and men's open I think is two fifty. Um, uh, three hundred k for men's open at the Arnold. Yeah, I'm saying for the Olympia. Okay, oh, never mind. Okay. So the Olympia is four hundred grand for for men's open, sixty grand for classic physique, um, and then men's physique, just like any other division, is not much money. It's ten grand. Pro wheelchair didn't win anything, which is sad. Um, yeah, that. Uh, well, I bet you they won. Just it's not a valuable that they want to throw on the site. I think. I just think that like, like maybe some new spinners some sort of- for the side. <laughs> that's fucked up baseball <laughs> cards and the spokes <laughs> little little leds around the rims or something no that's fucked up i think they should have won something that's my opinion but i mean it, it it's a business so i mean if they don't want to put money into it i get it but um first place for for men's open is 300 grand sixth place which is a key millions 12.5k <laughs> That is such a huge difference. Yep. Um, but so, yeah, so overall the results. So let's just start. We'll start, at, I guess, the smallest in quotation and go to the biggest. So smallest men's physique, Aaron Banks. So I'm not surprised Aaron Banks won. Um, I think that he deserved it personally. You, but Is there a site that has their prejudging pictures? Yes, Fitness Vault has it. The, so the same, individual, the same, uh, yeah. Well, not the individual. Um, yeah, see, I want the individual. Yeah, so that would be their routine. That's the individual. The prejudging is the group. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So his his overall routine. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of it. It's men's physique. You can't really do much, anyways. It's I just I think it's just it's not really Aaron for me. I guess in the routine, it's just the division in general. I think that they only give you the two, the two poses, the front pose and the back pose. So it's like to make a routine out of it, it's really difficult. So his routine is literally just doing the same pose like four times in a row, but like walking across the stage and doing it. And then like kind of like transitioning into it in different ways. But then his back poses, I, I said the same thing at the Olympia or for the Olympia is that I'm not a fan of his back pose. I don't know who came up with this, but for some reason, your back, the back poses like Aaron Banks and then others, their elbows are like straight out. It's like their arms are parallel to the ground. I don't get why it's a thing now. Um, it's and his his lats. I think they're just. I think they're just trying to overemphasize the the lats. That's that's. I, I think that's why. Goofy. I agree, but I think like just you know, phys- physiologically wise, like that's how you would spread them more i guess right i get that and i think he kind of he might need to have to do it because his lat insertions are very high his lower lats start at like his the middle of his back um so it's possible that that's the reason why he has to do it is because his lat insertions are very very high um but i mean overall i think conditioning wise i think he deserved the win um his midsection was just fucking next level when it comes to the rest of the competitors um 
Uh, I think that personally, I think Emmanuel should have gotten second over Diago, uh, but that's just me. Uh, I'm I'm more of a fan of Emmanuel's look versus Diago's. I think Diago's midsection wasn't. I think the rest of him was better, but I think his midsection is kind of what destroyed his look, at least personally. But I think that it could have gone either way. I can see why he got second versus Emmanuel, but I think Emmanuel should have gotten second. Um, so that's now I don't I don't know the the physique guys' names off the top. Like I mean, I have them in front, but I don't have them yeah. lined up. Is is Aaron Banks the uh, the taller black guy in the middle? Yes, that's Aaron Banks. Okay. He's the tall he's, one with the green yeah, shorts. He's, he's diced. Yeah, he. I mean, he and what, really conditioned. And what's standing out for me compared to the other guys for his particular frame is how high set his his chest muscles are reaching. So, like, who's the guy right to the left of him? That if he's white or almost white, is that's Diago. Yeah, so if you compare the two, the chest muscles between the two of them, like for Aaron Banks, it's it's all the way up to his collarbone and their size. So he's like got good upper chest. And then if the guy, uh, what was his name that you just said? Uh, Diego. Um, Diago, yeah. Our, yeah. Diago. He's got like good lo- lower chest definition. So you can see the curvage and everything. But as it gets higher to his collarbone, there just isn't anything or not anything, but it's far less developed than with Aaron's. So yeah, that's what I'm seeing primarily out of him. Um, and I mean, lower abs are so hard to get to poke out and you can see you can count all six very clearly for him and they're all aligned as well yeah his his midsection is crazy um i think so i know what you're saying with his pecs he just he's got very very well developed pecs so overall his develop because the development is really there it it gives it a much fuller look uh so for diago um, he's got obviously all of these guys have phenomenally developed pecs, but Aaron's in comparison is one, his posing is also a bit better. Diago is kind of straight on where Aaron's to the side. So it's going to give the illusion that his pecs are bigger uh, with the lighting. And then Diago's upper chest isn't as developed as Aaron's is. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where Diago fell a little bit short. Um, but Aaron's in pecking or abdominal insertions are just insane. Uh, he's got like perfectly symmetrical abs um, and they're just full every single time he comes to the show. So I think another thing, another thing too, if you look at just this, the, the one picture that this site has where it's the five guys just, or sorry, six guys just standing there, you can almost feel the stage presence of Aaron Banks compared to the other one. Like, don't get me wrong. The other guys are posing and they're there, but like, it's almost like he's standing out, in terms of just presence of just standing yeah. there and yeah. they're doing the exact same pose. Like granted, they all do it a little bit differently to get, you know, their own variations, but it's, I'm, I'm getting like very, you know, unique vibes where it's him. And then there's just everybody else. And I know that's how it is when you get put in the middle of a call out, but yep. it's like, it's just such a dominant vibe. Yeah. And I think also, kind of what plays into that is his height because he's got he looks much bigger than the rest of the guys even though like diago looks wider because he's got more of a straight on pose but because because aaron is so much taller he looks much much bigger 
Um, so I think that kind of plays into it. And then also something that a lot of people don't talk about that I think people should take more into account is, first of all, opposing uh, trunks are going to play a huge role. Just the, just the way they fit. Like, look at how they fit Aaron tight throughout his entire quad. You can see back. his glute, like the side of his yeah, glute from exactly. this front pose. But then look at the guy who got six, which I think is Edvin, all the way to the left. Look at how yep. those, how baggy. Yeah, they look baggy. baggy. Yeah. So those are basketball so, shorts. Exactly. So that's going to play a huge role, how they fit. Another thing that plays a role that I think that people should talk about because nobody talks about it. Um, wait, why is that? Wait, am I looking at 2022 or 2023? I'm looking at 23. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, 2022 I, I typed, men's. I think they mistyped that. I think that's 20. We're looking at that has to be. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the exact backdrop that all the other ones have. So that's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They just mistyped. They, it. That's okay. a mistype. I was like, "Am I looking at last year's?" Okay. Got it. All right. Uh -huh. So, um, okay. So, also, and another it, thing people don't. It, it, we know it's 2023 because later on, if you scroll down, it says, uh, "View the full results of the 2023 AC Men's yeah. Physique here." So, yeah, so it's, it's just a mistype. All right. So, so okay. So when you're looking at Men's Physique, I think so with with Class Physique and Men's Open what your posing trunks look like is significantly less important. Um, but because there's so much cloth, so much actual clothing involved in men's physique, I think you should take into account what your posing trunks look like. You don't necessarily need perfectly symmetrical trunks, which I think a lot of people try to, to try to do. Aaron won first place with asymmetrical trunks um, with design. At least the design is asymmetric. So you don't necessarily yeah. need perfectly symmetrical trunks. Every other guy on the stage besides who got um, fourth, so whoever, so two f to the left of Aaron in the photo. Yeah, I can has, see one has side has stripes. The other side is, is yeah. straight. Everybody else is, has symmetrical shorts. I think you should also take into account the colors, the colors involved in your tr posing trunks, because like, look at, look at Emmanuel's. He, it, it, like, because of his darker skin tone, the black posing trunks kind of blend a bit more with his overall physique, but because there's high contrast between Aaron's skin tone and the shorts that he's wearing it, it emphasizes exactly it emphasizes his physique so i think that that kind of plays a role into how they look as well because it, color theory is very very important uh in just general in general design in general everything so to kind of you should take color theory into account kind of when you're picking your posing trunks not like science-based but like be like okay i think that this you know, like that green color really complements his physique. I think if you went with like completely, completely black shorts or something just very, very, very dark, it would kind of pull away from his physique a bit. Um, but then like, I think in contrast, if you're very, very white and you're very, very pale on stage, even though there's tanning, if you're very pale, I think you should go with most likely darker shorts to kind of contrast that a little bit. I think that'll kind of give you a better stage presence. Um, but that's just personally my opinion on it. But I think that he did, they do do posing trunk p changes. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that the finals, like his actual um, posing routine, he had different trunks on. I think they might've been honestly the like reverse color of what he's wearing in the, on the um, yeah. stage. Cause they look very, very similar but it looks the opposite color. So anyways, that's men's physique. I think that Aaron deserved it. I just personally think that I would have changed Emmanuel to second, but 
something to mention too, which is actually something we see pretty pretty common with with a lot of the um, divisions is if you look at the scorecard. So the way that the IFBB scorecards work is the lower the score you have, the better your placing is going to be. So basically, how they do it is like, let's say I'm a judge, and there's there's we're going for top nine, right? Top nine is what we're looking at. That's one call out. Top nine. So who I place in first on my scorecard gets one point. Whoever I place in ninth gets nine points, right? So yeah. the higher the points, the worse your placing is. So when you're looking at Aaron, the score and and five five judges, right? Yeah. So that's what it looks like. I don't exactly <laughs> know how many judges there are, but I would assume there's five judges based off his the was a un- Yeah, his was a unanimous first place. Exactly. And then Diago got a unanimous second place. And yep. then um Emmanuel got a unanimous third place. Then there's a unanimous fourth place. So I like to see that because there's not much controversy there with the judges. You know, it's a clear decision on who's going to win. Like in the past, I think it was the last year's, I think it was last year's Arnold. There was one year, it might've been either last year's. No, I think it was, I think it was 2021 Olympia. It was between Nick and Nick Walker and Hunter Labrada. Hunter won by one point. So one person placed Nick one point lower than the rest yeah. of the than the rest of the judges. So Hunter ended up taking the ended up taking it. So like something like that is a bit controversial because it could have gone either way. But with like these scorecards, it's clear cut exactly who won. Aaron got a unanimous first decision. So I get that. I just think personally, we also got to take into account these guys look different in person than they do in photos and course, on camera. Like of course. That. So, you know, who well, knows? it's Maybe just like look better in person. And it's just like how your stage ready is not it, stage ready is maybe like at most a, for, and this is in total of days, not like like consistent days but at most like one month of the year and that's at most because you're not staying this form for the like year round you know oh you stay they're this lean for maybe four days at the most that's what i mean that's what i mean like and it's it's just that that's that's why (laughs) like we review these and it's great to look at these for like models and like oh i'm striving for this but you got you got to also keep in mind the what they look like outside. They're still you know phenomenally built outside of this. It's we're not disputing that. It's just how diced and lean they are right now. Yeah. That's that's a very small percentage of the time. Yeah, and with with all these divisions, these guys are getting. If you come in any lower than I think four or five percent body fat, you actually can't regulate your body's hormones properly. So you literally can't survive less than four or five percent body fat. So even though we're like, oh, these guys look phenomenal, they came in this condition and whatever, you can't survive at this level. You have to have more fat. I think your body goes into like permanent fight or flight at three and anything less than three, your body actually shuts down. Well, I know people have come in lower than three. Um, Supposedly, Ronnie Coleman came in less than 3% for some of his shows. Um, It's happened. It's happened plenty of times. I'm sure a lot of these guys are less than 3%, but you can't maintain it more than a couple days. Um, I'd say more than... I'd say more than half a day. Like, just, like, anatomically, like, your body is not designed to be that low. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. Um that's why right after a show they drink water and eat 
like junk food yeah. kind of um is to kind of well that's you know, like the uh the the sebum method where he uh he doesn't train doesn't worry about diet for what like you said a month something like that yeah it's something crazy like that um granted he's he you know different too. but yeah he he usually goes on um an international trip for a while too like he goes to like mexico or something for like a couple weeks right after the olympia um and just like eats and eats and eats and just relaxes um which as you should <laughs> yeah and then he also does a pct after the olympia as well to completely come off shit so um there's that so anyways i think moving on is you know we're at a good time to move on here so going on to the real one that everybody talks about especially my guy. classic physique classic my physique. guy um so the way so i look when i you know before you were, we do the breakdown yeah, before so the you breakdown. and I chatted briefly before. So when I saw the results on Friday night, I was like, no fucking way, Ramon <laughs> again. I was like, this is such bullshit. So I see Urz's routine, and I'm like, wow, this dude looks fucking crazy. I mean, I don't – his front double is kind of like – to me, it's kind of weird. Like, Urz's front double is kind of weird. It's like he pushes out his glute really far. So Actually, it, it, I think I think Urz's front double came in a lot better than it did at the Olympia. Yeah, so I was like, I think Urs should have taken it. I love Urs's look. He totally should have taken that shit. But then I saw Ramon's look, and I was like, okay, yeah, Ramon won. <laughs> I was like, Ramon won. It's just, it, for me, it came down to midsection and arms. Uh, Ramon's arms are much larger than Urs's, and then his midsection was just much, much more peeled than Urs. Um, or Ramon's midsection was much more peeled than Urs. His abdominal insertions we're just way more obvious. So I think that Ramon definitely should have taken first. Um, so that's, that's where I stand on that. Um, but, but I do appreciate that Urs got best poser out of all the classic physique guys, because I do think that Urs's posing is way ahead of Ramon's. I just think the Ramon had the overall better package. Um, yeah. Than Urs did. So I think the thing for me that, I mean, obviously I'm a Ramon like I'm biased in this entire conversation because of, yeah. you know, I fanboy over Ramon, but um, when I see their, when they do the actual Arnold pose, you know, the one I'm talking about where it's that mm -hmm. uh, side lean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the spread right now. Um, I'm looking at it too. Yep. And one, the tricep to bicep size contour on Ramon compared to, the only person I'm looking on stage that even competes size-wise is the guy all the way to the left. And I'm mm. thinking that guy only has the size because of how he's angled right now. Like, Urz, Urz has tone for sure, but the, just the sheer size is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And Ramon has that lockdown. But also, if you just look at how he's posing compared to everybody else, he has that pose down. And that, I mean, if you're at the Urz? Arnold Classic, no, uh, well... I mean, Urs has it, but I'm talking Ramon specifically. He has it down. And if you're at the Arnold Classic, you should want to have that pose, you know, locked in. Look at the guy to the left of, of Urs. He's almost doing like a running stance. If you're competing at the Arnold Classic, you need to kill this pose. And I think just, I mean, Urs is there too. Don't get me wrong. He's right there behind. And he's at, honestly, I think Urs has much better leg pop out in this particular pose than Ramon, but I just think Ramon crushes this particular one in comparison to the other guy. Like 
it's it's almost laughable looking like not laughable like all of these guys deserve to be on stage i'm not disputing that i'm saying it's laughable at how silly they are doing this pose compared to Urz and dino who are just you know locking it down in the middle you know so so here's my thing with this pose so technically speaking ramona is more on point with it in comparison to like arnold and arnold did it yeah. but i prefer Urz's version of it over ramones personally because you see more of his back you see this his I was gonna shoulders say, look wider his yeah. waist is just about the same width maybe a little bit wider but that's i think is just a difference in physiques um and i think that his personally his legs look better in the pose as well that's um, what yeah that's my big thing you can really see the hamstring yeah. pop out yeah so i think you know ramon's more true to the actual pose but i think i like urs's more um i do like the insertions of the lat of I think it's Alex who got who's to the right. Um yeah, Alex Cambernaro. Cam, to the right remember. of Dino? Yes, to the right of Dino. That's third place. So I like his lat insertions. I think that he did the pose really, really well as as well. I think he pretty much nailed it. Um he I think out of all doesn't of them, have the size. That's yeah, I think thing. all of them, I think Alex was the truest to it. Um just because his lats really bring the pose together. Um, his lower lat connecting to his to his outer lat and his terrace major minor. Just I was really going to say you can like, you can actually like draw vision. a line like yeah, looking literally. at that picture. Yeah, that's wild. So I and, think that he nailed it the best, but I think he just doesn't have the size that Ramon has. I mean, it, besides Urs and 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 maybe the no, just Urs. Like everyone else is like so much lighter in compared like weight wise like yeah. maybe not weight but just size wise like that's mind blowing to me i mean granted a lot of it is body manipulation like the way like urs urs definitely has a hamstring focus in this pop like making sure that's standing out um yeah but because you can see how when dino's doing it his left foot is forward in that you know you know weighted part of the stance to make sure he's true to the stance but with urs it's a little bit closer to his right uh foot just so he can get that pop but even with that the other guys on stage just don't have the size and that's mind-blowing to me and i think if i'm looking at this correctly the second to the left in that arnold pose photo that's mike summerfield and he did not come in that lean no he did not his back is no definition and this is like this particular pose like regardless of how you do it you're going to get like Urz is really showing his upper uh his upper back and then even uh we talked about the um what's uh third place where's his name um um third place with Alex how his lats are you know really defined you can draw a line but with Mike yeah. it's like he's just there like I just think- the only really definition is his rear delts and maybe his, the the back of his arms but like his back is just washed yeah, I think it just might be the pose, to be honest. Um, let me see if I can look up. Do they have a back pose on this? All right. Um, I let me see if I can find. Also, as a, I'm looking at the the card as well, and Ramon just cleaned up. It was unanimous. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that with this too. They did a top seven. Uh, Ramon got dead first. Urs got dead second. 
as um, did Alex for third and Mike for second. It, it's everything else where kind of fifth. Blends. Everything up to fifth is pretty, pretty on like unanimous. Um, fifth. Well, even fifth, seventh, because fifth is twenty six points. So yeah. I think someone voted Jason fifth and Courage seventh. I think is what happened, but it was a clear sixth. Everybody agreed Junior was sixth, um, and then Courage. Most of them agreed, except for one, that it was, he was fifth, and then Jason was seventh. Um, so I think that's what that comes down to. But um, I can't find any photos of Mike at the 2023 Arnold. I bet, I bet his, his socials will have it. Um, perhaps. Let me see if I can find it. I have to look it up on my computer. Um, is this it? Right I, I got his routine right here. <clears throat> so I see... Oh, that's Europa Pro. Here, I'll send it to you. I got his... All I right. just sent it to you on Instagram. Um, let me log in here. Okay, he's got he's got pretty decent front... His, his front is pretty decent. I'm trying to log in here. One sec. See, because of the tanning on him, you can tell that he's like so much whiter than he is in that uh, particular picture. <clears throat> or like because of the tanning and everything, like he would be a lot, uh, <clears throat> a lot whiter. <laughs> yeah. Let me see. I'm watching it right now. I like Mike Summerfield's overall look. I think he looked great. He's got the classic look. He just needs a bit more size. Yeah. Yeah, he came in he came in decent. I think I mean he came in all right. A little washed out in, in some places, but um I think overall he looked really, really good. Um so I think just that pose itself wasn't not doing him justice. Yeah. Um, his legs were really peeled in that video that you sent. Um, I just think his, his upper body is kind of where he holds a lot of water. So if he held, if he had any water in his system, it's in his upper body. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a classic. I think, I don't know. I just, my, my biggest problem and ha always has been, is just, I just don't like Ramon's vacuum. I just don't think that, that he really nails it that well. Um, mm. but that's just my own preference. I think Urs, I, I way prefer Urs's posing and that's why I'm partial to Urs. Um, because to me, posing is everything. Um, well, not everything. It's a very big portion of it. But the problem that I have with Urs is literally just his, his arm size and his midsection just looked washed out. If he got those in, in point on point, like especially his midsection, you can get away with smaller arms, but if he had his midsection on point, then I would have given it to him. But then seeing Ramon's midsection was just like absolutely fucking dialed in. It was crazy. So, well, I'm uh, not I'm really interested people. in the fact that uh, uh, that Terrence Ruffin didn't uh, come back. I'm reading yeah. into that right now, and it's it's like almost like a very responsible thing of him to be doing because you know how much you would want to go and three peat the Arnold classic, but 
it's for him to take the step aside and say, I have to do this better to come back at the O next year, even better. Like that's such yeah. a, not many people I think would have that maturity when you're on this, this, you know, the two time streak that he was on for the Arnold. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of give him a lot of respect for it. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty common thing, honestly, within bodybuilding is to take a year off. Um, Regan Grimes did that. He took off last year's Olympia um, to come in better for, for 2023 um, for the Olympia. I think he might need to earn it now. I think he might need to do shows to get to the Olympia, but he, he won't have any broad size. No, he won't. He really won't. But it's, it's a pretty common thing for the most part to take one year off to come in better. Um, I think he came in really, really good for last year's Arnold. And then he kind of just fell short for the Olympia. And it was kind of a reality check. He's like, fuck. The competition's really stepping up now, especially with Seabum. Yep. So, in order for him to really compete with Seabum now, he needs to he needs to take it to the next level, which I think was smart to take off time from the Arnold, especially after the Olympia. Um, so, so here's it, here's one where I want to pick your brain a little bit, considering yeah. your your knowledge of the the sport as a whole. So, the the winner of the O, I know, generally doesn't compete in the in the Arnold. I mean. That I say that generally because um, in the in the in the sorry words in the phys, men's physique, um, Aaron yeah. Banks won. I mean, he he did back to back here. He took the Olympia and the Arnold. Um, yeah. Well, uh, sorry, last year. But um, yeah, yeah. But my question is like, with your understanding of the sport, why wouldn't? Seabum want to come in and just clean house because we know he does his offloading after the O and he trains almost specifically for the O but mm -hmm. what if he because I have no doubt that he could take that month off because the O's in what mid January um actually no sorry uh end of December um yeah. so end of December take a month off come back shred February and March and just come in and I mean, it's, it's Seabum. We know how he stacks up with this particular group of guys. So my question for you is why in your understanding, why wouldn't he want to add some more uh, titles to his resume? Um, I think for me, it just comes down to, um, he doesn't need to anymore. Like he's, he's at such a high level now that he could just focus on the best, biggest and best show of every year. And cause what's the Arnold's going to do is it's going to pull you, pull your physique a little bit away from the Olympia. Um, and it's good for guys who have the plan already to compete at the Olympia. Sorry, not the Olympia, the Arnold when they're when they're doing the olympia and they already plan on competing at the arnold because they can rebound uh put on maybe a tad bit of size and then get cut again for the arnold not too long after the olympia just a couple months but when you're when you're at such a high level with sebum like he's so far ahead because he was able to focus all year on one particular show and uh, yeah like it, it's it's look at it this way so like would you rather go 70-30, 70% effort going into the Olympia and 30% going into the Arnold? Or would you rather go 100% in the Olympia and just not compete at the Arnold when you're at such a high true. level that 
you can literally be the best of the best every year. Like the Olympia is like you're number one in the entire world. Like Chris Momstead was class physique champion the entire world by winning the Olympia. The Arnold is just a high level show, really. It's it's not to the level of the Olympia. I think eventually the Arnold will take over the Olympia. I was going to say, we've talked about this before. Yeah, I think it'll take over. But for now, the Olympia is the best of the best. It's like saying like competing in the Boston Marathon versus competing in like the Olympics for a marathon, you know, if they had a marathon or something like that's, that's what I would compare it to. Like, even though the Boston marathon is a huge, huge marathon, they, the people who compete in the Boston marathon, they train for the Boston marathon. The people who compete at the Olympia, the Olympics train just for the Olympics. That's true. And even then four years is to them a lot of the time, not enough time. They want more time to train for it, but they can't, so they can't really train for the Boston Marathon because they're getting ready for the Olympics. It's just, it's just the the level of competition that you're at. It's, um, I think that just taking the time to focus on the Olympia is is why he does it, and he's able to right now. I think like just now, or recently, he's just now starting like his bulk. Like he's really starting his off season right now to put on some yeah. size, and then he has plenty of time to start cutting where. Like this entire time, he's probably been PCTing and taking time off that his body needs from getting so peeled for the for the Olympia um, that like he couldn't have done that with the Arnold. So his body wouldn't have gotten the rest that it that it needs if yeah. he was going to be Arnold. But with guys like Ramon and Urs, who were like, let's just be honest, they were absolutely fucking stomped on by Seabom. Yeah, they used the Arnold to build a bigger name. And then at the same time, they also use it for money too. Like 60 grand will pay for your off season easily. Well, I think, I think both of them have their sponsorships covered too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just think that they, we like, there's a lot of psychology that goes behind it. And I think a lot of the time it comes down to the coach's decision, whether or not they're going to compete at the Olympia. And if it's going to pull too much away from, sorry, the Arnold, and if it's going to pull too much away from the Olympia, I think, Seabum's at a place where he's like, I don't want to compete at the Arnold anymore. Uh, I just want to focus on the Olympia only, the biggest show of the year. But then, like, coaches of Ramon and Urs are like, you know what, let's do – like, Chris Acido is Ramon's coach. Chris Acido has had – one of his biggest clients was with Ronnie Coleman. He knows what the fuck he's doing. So if he thinks that it's beneficial for Ramon to hit the Arnold, then they're going to hit the Arnold. So I think it just – it comes down to, like, ROI, basically. I think that – I think that for Ramon and Urs, they're benefiting by competing in the Arnold, where Seabum wouldn't. It would pull away from his from his Olympia presence and his Olympia stage, essentially uh, physique. He just doesn't need it anymore. Yeah, I think it comes down to. So obviously, everybody's a little bit different, um, and I think like at the same time, um, you, what division you're competing in also plays a role too. Like it's easier in a sense to compete in men's physique Olympia and then the Arnold versus like men's open in the Olympia and then the Arnold, because with the, with men's open, you're, you're pushing a lot more weight. You have to lose a lot more weight. Like there's a lot more weight involved and a lot more and less food involved or with the men's physique, you can stay pretty lean year round. Like a lot of men's physique competitors are pretty lean year round because you don't need too much size. So you can have a pretty lean bulk throughout the year and then just start cutting like 12 weeks out from a show and be fine. And then, you know, 
wait, you know, go through maybe slight rebound and then do another four week or six week cut going into the Arnold. But they're already at a pretty, pretty lean stage as it is going into prep for for the Arnold. So it's not as difficult to maintain a lean look in men's physique. But like when you're pushing higher weight like the Arnold and men's open, it is much more difficult to uh, maintain that look. So there is that also to take take into account too. Um, I'm surprised that Brennan Hendrickson didn't compete in men's physique Arnold this year. Um, That was kind of surprising to me. I I thought I was going to see him up there, but we didn't end up seeing him. Yeah. But yeah, so that's my opinion. Obviously I'm not an expert. I just from, that's just from my understanding of it. Um, where it stands, like where, why they do the Olympia and the Arnold versus why they only do the Olympia. Some dudes just do the Arnold. I think, you know, they, they aren't quite at the level of the Olympia, but they can compete at the Arnold pretty well. Um, and then you need to take time off, you know, Terrence is taking time off now to focus in the Olympia. And I think that he needs it. You know, if he took, if he did the Arnold, it would take away from his overall look for the Olympia. So he needs to focus on the Olympia. So it just depends on what you need, really. Yeah, and that's totally understandable. <clears throat> now do we uh, go into men's open? Yeah, so you know what's messed up? I was not impressed by really anybody for men's open. Um, I, w- I was looking at the results um, for men's open, and I... I don't know. I, I just wasn't wowed. I mean, I think Nick came in really lean. I think he he had a phenomenal look. Um, let me look up the results right now real quick. Um, Samson took um, first. Yeah, I know he did. I just want to see the photos. Okay, there we go. So I don't like anyone's look up there at all. Like, that's my thing is like, there isn't a single guy up there. I'd be like, yeah, I'd love to look like that. Um. <laughs> I think Nick, I mean, looking at Big Robbie next to Nick doing the side chest right there in that final pose is fucking absurd. Because you see how big Nick looks to everybody else, but then you see how big Rami, big, big Rami looks next to Nick. It's yep. fucking ludicrous. Um, absurd. But I, I don't know. I'm not a fan at all of Samson's look. That's just me personally. I respect the hell out of it. Um, I'm just not the biggest fan of it. I just think that a lot of these guys' waist is very, very wide, um, and it just pulls away from the aesthetics. Like this was just a size show. I think. I think it came down to size, and and also we've talked trying- about how that's basically what men's open is pushing towards. Who like the 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 well, absolute beasts for the Olympia? It was for a while just whoever was the biggest, but last year with Derek taking second place that really said a lot about where the division's going um which I'm really excited about for the Olympia this year to see where Derek places because um um oh my gosh why am I drawing a blink who who won first in the Olympia I'm drawing a blink right now why for this year's Olympia yeah 2022 um it was it was Hani Hani uh, no no Hani's the coach. Um, Hadi Chupin Hadi Chupin Hadi. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I I knew it started with an H and it sounded like Hani, but it's not Hani Rambod. It's Hadi Chupin. But he's he's so, coached by Hani Rambod. <laughs> yeah. So I I get why Hadi won, 
but Derek getting second, I think he should have won. I just think that Hottie deserved it after all of the effort he's put in. But Derek was a good sign of that. For the Arnold, I don't like any of this. It's just all about who is the biggest. None of it's who looks the best. Um, no, I didn't really like, like I said, I don't really like the look of any of them. I mean, Andrew Jacked was fucking absurd up there, um, which is uh, Chinidu, Andrew. Um, so he got third. I think he looked crazy. Sean Clarita, I think, is hard for him to compete in men's open because of how small he is. But that's just that's why he's called the the monster killer, whatever it's called, whatever his thing is, monster beat destroyer or whatever, because he yeah. is so small. He's like five four, whatever it is. But he has a really well defined package overall. I just think that the other guys just made him look tiny as shit, and I think that's the reason why Samson won. Um, he just looks fucking enormous. Um, but whoever got, let's see if that's second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, sixth, Akeem Williams, he looks fucking massive. He just doesn't have the conditioning. Um, but what was funny was there's a photo of Nick on stage, um, and it made his legs look so small. It was kind of funny. Um, well, I think what really blows my mind for Nick is that I've seen like you and I send each other, you know, up like their bodybuild or sorry, updates on the different bodybuilders we follow on socials. And in the yeah. gym, Nick Walker looks like a freak of nature. Absolutely oh, yeah. does not make sense. And then you stack him up on this stage and it's like, my God, he's the smallest guy there except for that guy all the way on the right. And I'm not yeah. talking height. I'm talking like size. <laughs> I think, I mean, that's just the thing is like these guys on stage are the biggest in the world. So next yeah. to each other, they're very comparable. You put any of them in any gym, they're going to dwarf every single guy in there. I don't give a fuck who's in the gym. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You put you put Nick in any gym. He's bigger than every other dude, no matter how big that dude is. So like to say that and then to be like Big Rami dwarfs Nick is fucking insane. And that's why he got <laughs> the name Big Rami. Like. That is just absurd to be like, yeah, Nick looks small next to Big Rami, especially in the side chest photo. Like, Rami's legs look twice the fucking size Nick's does. I think it also partially comes down to posing. I think that Rami's posing is just a little bit better, so it makes his legs look bigger. But, like, Rami's legs in that side chest look fucking insane, dude. Rami's Rami's legs there look, the, honestly, the size of Nick Walker's torso. They fucking look huge. And I think it, I don't know if it's like size or if it's because of the pose or combination. Like I like it blows my fucking mind seeing that. Like I can't even I can't even wrap my it's like it was like seeing so, Seabum last year in the Olympia. It's like, what the fuck am I looking at? Like <laughs> so his, his leg in that pose is basically the size of of nick walker's frame now imagine if you put that leg against your average gym goer oh yeah his my front double yeah leg (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's absurd i want to see i want to see big rami pose like that next to c bum i want to see the size difference i'd like to see big rami come in like this for the O. I feel like he would have done better this Uh... year at the O if he comes in like this Uh, let me see if i can find like a front double or something it's all just a side chest. Um, there we go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he came in super, super peeled. Um, 
looking at the front double right now between all of them, I think Big Rami's midsection, I think he just, the way he was posing, he stretched it out. It didn't look that good. I just really don't like Samson's look at all. It just, it's his midsection that ruins it for me. That's yeah. just me personally. Um, I like how he did a vacuum, but it just, I don't know. At least attempted I, vacuum. When you're that big, your vacuum just can't do yeah, it's hard. what you are his, in like Ben's physique or classic yeah, physique. Right. I think looking at the front double, I see why he won. His waist is small right where his posing trunks are. Nick's waist is pretty pretty straight up to his lat insertions, but like Samson's got more of that V kind of going on. I think personally, out of all five physiques out of the top five, I think I would have, if I had to pick one, I think I like Andrew Jacks the most. Andrew Jack the most. Um, that's just me personally. I think that I like his physique the best. But um, I think proportionally not- and uh, V, to like the, the, the waist wise, I agree with you on that. Just, yeah. and I think his height also plays into that just because. He's, I don't know. I just think he looks the most aesthetic, like, to me personally. The the rest of them just look like freaks. But, like, how was that? That was my keys. Um, I just think that the rest of them just don't have a very, very good look. That's just my opinion. Um, that's, I mean, that's, we've said this with the Olympia, too. Like, these are all just our opinion, and we're not experts. Well, the whole, the whole sport is opinionated. One, yeah. These guys won on this day. The next exactly. day it could be it could be completely different, right? Right. It's just Samson came in and the judges felt that he was the best bodybuilder that day. He was just the best on stage that day. Um, but yeah, so I think that I see why everybody placed the way they did. I think if Rami came in a bit more peeled, he pulled a Rami again. Like he looked crazy four six weeks out, whatever the hell it was. Like in that in one of his poses, I think it was a back pose. He looked fucking crazy, but then like on stage, he just kind of looks washed out, and that's just such a Rami move. Um, I think he looks better than he did at the O, though. Yeah, I'd have to look at the O again. Um, let me see if I can look at the O. Let me see here. Where are you? I'm gonna look it up here. Um. I think the lighting is better at the O. I think that also plays a plays a role here. Um, like looking at the front double versus, yeah, I think the lighting looks better at the at the Olympia. Um, I would per, like looking at his conditioning. I think Rami came in better at the O than he did at the Arnold. Um, but I think it also the lighting plays a role. The tanning looks way harsher at the Arnold, like it looks like it's a lot more flat where the tanning at the Olympia just looks higher quality. Um, yeah. So that plays a role too. But I think overall, I think he came in good at both. I just think that he could come in better. Um, but I've never really been the biggest fan of his physique. He just never comes in that peeled. Um, he just comes in huge and that's why he's big Rami. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Let me see if I can find the results sheet. Uh, it's uh, all the way at the bottom of the page. Okay, so Ed Andrew Jack got best poser, and then Nick Walker. So Ed Corny best poser award goes to Andrew Jack. Franco Colombo most muscular award goes to Nick Walker. So he had the best Nick. Uh, he had the best uh, most muscular. 
let's see. Run this for this. Um, classic. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it. Um, also, what I find interesting is that the men's open didn't. They had the unanimous first, but after that, there's no other unanimouses. Arnold Classic. Okay, here we go. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. See, you got so the scorecard. Yeah, I got it here. So men's open is is a much bigger um, event because they got the prejudging on Friday and then the finals on Saturday. That's why there's two. There's judging and there's finals because you can come in better or worse for each one. Um, so it's I give props to men's open because that is so much harder to come in two days than it is to come in just one day. Yeah. So if they came in one day, then it would it looks like it would have been the same results from what I can tell. But they would have scored a little bit differently. Like William Bonac would have gotten a worse score. Um Nick Walker would have gotten a worse score. Um, let me see. And then other guys would have gotten better. Sean Clarita would have been better, better score. So if you have a higher or lower finals, that'll kind of tell you how they came in. So like big Rami came in better at the finals than he did at the judging one, you know, he, he scored one less point at finals. So he looked better than he did at pre-judging. Um, but yeah, so it was unanimous for Samson, um, almost unanimous for Nick. And then almost unanimous for Andrew Jacked. So top three were almost unanimous. Um, let me see, fourth. Yeah, almost unanimous for fourth. Fifth, almost unanimous. So almost all of them were pretty much on point with unanimous. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I get the placement for everybody. I just wasn't super, super impressed with anybody really in particular. There wasn't anybody that blew my mind when I saw them. Um, so it's just, but that's just personally where i stand i don't know i i just feel like well, men's physique, so men's physique men's open has just kind of fallen off over the years personally the quality is just not there anymore the way that i look at it and like i've i, I grew i grew up not watching the sport and you know my entrance was just the you know flashbacks of the legends from before my time but i'm thinking in you know Jay Cutler, Ronnie Coleman, even going back to like Phil Heath or, uh, you know, older guys, the dominant winners had like a specialty pose. You know what I mean? And like there was one thing that they just crushed better than anybody. Like when Ronnie did his front double or his back, uh, like, uh, sorry, I'm thinking uh, the back double, like either of those two, you knew he was cleaning house. When Jay Cutler did the quad stomp, he was cleaning house. With mm-hmm. these guys, I don't see a signature. Like, that's that's my thing. Like, maybe I'm thinking of the legends, and that's why I'm not being as partial as I should be. But I don't see, and, you know, watching their routines, I don't see the, the signature move, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, like, there is, there's always one pose that kind of sets them apart. Phil Heath's, like, most muscular is fucking insane. Or um, even Phil Heath's tricep. <laughs> Yeah, Phil Heath's triceps pretty crazy. Um, nobody can ever beat Hadi Chupin's triceps, or not Hadi Chupin. Fucking oh my gosh, not Hadi Chupin. I um, oh, I can picture him in my mind. Um, let me look up the Olympia, twenty sixteen Olympia. Fucking, I he, I think he competed at the twenty sixteen and other years. 
Um, I don't know. I, I got to look it up. There's one guy. They've actually, no, 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 mind. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his fucking name, but there's one guy whose triceps are just fucking next level who competes that at a high level. Um, yeah, uh, Phil Heath's most mus- most muscular um, was pretty was pretty insane. Um, and then Ronnie Coleman's rear double was pretty crazy. Like you said, Jay Cutler's front double not- too. I mean, anything with his arms was just next yeah. level. Ronnie's was pretty crazy overall. Um, let me see if I can find. Yeah, Dexter Jackson, Dorian Yates. Dorian Yates is just a mass monster. There was nothing he couldn't beat. Um, yeah, so Phil Heath dominated for a while. He did just seven. I think it's seven Olympias. Um, yeah, Phil Heath dominated for a while. He, he was really, really high quality. Jay Cutler, the problem with Jay Cutler's look, um, which is that he had a very wide look, kind of like, not really like Nick, um, but he had tons of size. Um, and that's the reason, people weren't the biggest fan of his waist width. That's the reason why people didn't really give him the um, title a lot of time. It's just because of his obliques. But I think if you don't take into account his obliques, he's fucking crazy looking. Um you got Sean Roden for a year, 2018. Rest in peace, Sean Roden. Um, but yeah, so Phil Heath, Jay Cutler, Ronnie Coleman, Dorian Yates, and Lee Haney. All those guys have crazy poses that kind of um, cover a good idea of what their physique looks like. And then you got Arnold, of course. Arnold had the craziest. Everybody loves Arnold's look overall. Um, Arnold's chest, just absurd. Yeah, and I think, so his chest was next level even today, but it's also his posing too. Like his side chest was like still to today is just so much better than anybody else's. Um, nobody can ever nail as good of a side chest poses as Arnold can. Um, so I think that that's kind of where he really sets breaks himself and he creates that shelf with his chest. So he, he'll always go down as one of the best chest pose chess posers of all time. Um, yeah. But he wouldn't be able to compete in today's climate as far as like competitors go. His legs just wouldn't be. Uh, that's what I was going to say. His legs aren't there. Yeah. It, it, but that's not his fault. They, it just wasn't the, the technology wasn't around at the time. And at the same time, like the, the knowledge of bodybuilding was nowhere near what it is today. I mean, even the past 10 years, 10 years ago, we knew half what we knew now. So yeah. like to, to take that into account, I mean, Arnold has a phenomenal look. It just, he just wouldn't be able to compete today. It's just a completely different era, but people argue the golden era, the best era ever of competing is like early two thousands. And I would agree. I think, um, I don't think it'll ever get as good as the early two thousands or it'll take a long time. Like that's like, we're talking like Ronnie Coleman, um, uh, why am I fucking drawing? I could, you ask me any other time, huh. uh, the competitors in like the, like, let's say like Oh one Olympia or something. And I could give them all to you. Yeah. So like Kevin Lavrone, there we go. Sean Ray, Chris Cormier, like all these guys are just fucking crazy. Dexter Jackson, Nasser, El Sambadi, 
He was crazy. Um, you know, there's so many different guys who just Marcus Rule, mass fucking monster. Like all these guys were just crazy back then. Um, like I love Kevin Lavrone's look. I think Kevin Lavrone doesn't get as much credit as he as he should. Um, and then Jay Cutler back in the early 2000s. This is like right after um, Dorian Yates competed too. Like people would even argue that like the end of the 90s was even just as good too. Um, because our, or Ronnie Coleman said his favorite physique ever was um, fucking – why am I drawing a blank? Let me look up like the 1998 or something. Um, Flex Wheeler, that's what it was. Flex Wheeler was like who Ronnie think had the best – look of all time no uh, so like like the 98 olympia which is the year i was born <laughs> um <laughs> was like some of the best competitors ever lee priest is still competing i love lee priest look he's just fucking crazy looking um aaron baker i mean you got crazy crazy dudes um competing in this and flex wheeler for the 98 olympia wasn't too far off so first place for the 98 olympia Ronnie got 32 points. Flex was 35. And then Nasser Al-Sambadi got third, and he was 60 points. So Ronnie and Flex were pretty, pretty close when it came to placing. Um, but, yeah, I love Kevin Lavrone's look um, back in the day. It's just we don't have the same same quality anymore. And and even with today's technology, it's just not the same anymore. It was, it was size, but also at the same time, it was also conditioning and aesthetics too that was taken into account where like it's really kind of gone in the direction of mass monsters. And I'm just not the biggest fan of it. Um, but that's just men's open for you. And what's also crazy too, that not many people are talking about, they talked about it for like a day um, is men's uh, masters, men's Olympia, which they're going to be having for 2023, which is a fucking problem. That is not going to be good. Um, it's for elaborate. Years. So, so masters in, depending on the division you're, you're talking about, or the organization you're talking about for the IFBB, at least for the Olympia masters is going to be forties and up. You got all the divisions that you normally would, um, men's classic men's physique, women's fitness, women's figure, bikini physique, wellness. So mainly women's focused, but for men, wait, 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 you're, you're saying 40 plus as an age. Yes. 40 plus as an age, you can compete for men. You can compete in classic physique or men's physique. 45 and up, you can compete in men's bodybuilding and 212. There's those two divisions as well. So if you're 45 and up, you can compete in all of the divisions for men. If you're below 45 but above 40, you can compete in classic or men's physique. This is a problem. And the reason I say that, I get why they're doing it, is to bring in older bodybuilders to kind of bring some guys back, you know, potentially bring back like some old Olympias. Um, I bet your Cutler does it. Uh, and fuck no, absolutely not. There's no way he's competing. Um, I would love to see him compete. I just don't think he would. Um, potentially Phil Heath because he's kind of held on to it. Potentially Kai Green. Like those are the kind of guys that like they're trying to target. I think. Um, but like it's a problem because these guys are already like on the older side when it comes to competing. Like I think Ronnie was like 42, 43 when he stopped. Like when he won his last Olympia, I think he was like 42 or some shit. But like these guys are already on the older side. So to then push all of the drugs that they hypothetically mm. were pushing before is going to be even more detrimental to their health than like being 32 and pushing the same drugs, you know? So like, I think we're 
probably going to see some deaths when it comes to competing in the Masters Olympia, I think. Um, hopefully we don't. God forbid we don't, or we do. I, I really hope we don't see anybody, but I just think that is not going to be good. I think that with the Masters Olympia, these guys are going to be pushing way too hard and they're just going to get hurt and that's not going to be fun. So we'll, we'll see what that entails, but I think if there's someone who has maintained their size while leaning off the drug usage, I think that's going to be a good opportunity for them to come back and maybe like one year, like relive the glory days or something, then go back to retirement or something like that. So I think some guys might do it like that. And then just, you know, just for the hell of it, maybe it's, I think also the reasoning behind it is to build more, advertising towards it because for example if like let's take phil heath for example if you get if you were looking at the lineup and saw that phil heath was going to be there and you didn't get a chance to see him back when he was in his heyday competing you're probably going to that's going to bring an additional revenue just because people want to see you know the classics so it's all money based yeah that's why they're doing it i get why they're doing it but so this is barben.com. They're saying that they think that Phil Heath, Jay Cutler, and Dexter Jackson could potentially compete in Masters Mr. Olympia because Dexter Jackson won the 2012 Masters when it was the last time they competed or like when the last time they held it. The last time they held the Masters Olympia was 2012. So people think that Dexter might come back. I don't think he will. Um, I really – I think – if I could put money on anybody competing that has won the Olympia in the past or won the Masters, I would put money on Phil Heath because he's still fucking crazy looking. Um, after being done for quite a few years, like 2017 was the last time he won or competed in the Mr. Olympia, um, and he still looks crazy. So Dexter Jackson was born in 69, so that would make him 54. So he's 53 right now. He'd be 54 turning this year. Um, it's possible he competes in it. But he he competed in twenty Mr. Olympias. I mean, he really fucking yeah. He put his body through it for a while. Yeah, yeah. He went as long as he possibly could. So I'm not sure if he will, but I definitely could see Phil Heath competing. I don't know if Kai is even old enough. Um, let me see if he is. Let me see. Seventy-five. Yeah, he's forty-eight. He's going to be turning 48 in July, so it's very possible Kai could be competing because Kai still looks insane. Yeah. Um, but I think that what these guys need to do is just send – so what they're saying is that they just need to send a letter of intent and they'd probably compete in it. And I think it's going to take place in Romania? I think it's Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's no way there's a qualification process for for guys that old. Like I don't mm. think you show up to shows that old. Yeah, so it's going to be – so application deadline is – yeah, so you got to – application letters may include video, not longer than one minute, and photographs of your actual shape. So that's how you get in is you have to send um, – you have to send in an application basically. The deadline is the 10th, and the, the selected athletes will be published the 24th. Um, when it's happening – let me see. So published on the 24th um, – It'll feature 10 bodybuilding divisions. Okay, so it's going to take place August 26th and 27th in Romania um, at the BT Arena. So 
who's going to compete in that? No idea, but I could see Phil Heath and potentially Kai Green. So we'll have to we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, and I mean, I think if they handle it in a healthy way, like if they say, like personally, tell themselves, like I'm not going to do the amount that I was doing back in my runs. Like if if yeah. they do like partial cycles or something like that, or even try and just bring it in natty, like just. Because they know, hundred percent, these guys know that it's not as prestigious of award of an award as competing in the regular open or something like that. And I think that the, if they understand that this is purely from an advertising and revenue based thing, they can probably handle it in a healthy way. It's the guys who probably haven't turned off the engine that are going to go in and just slam it and then risk, you know, their health. Yeah. Um... It's going to be dangerous, I think, either way. Um, they have Masters in pretty much every other competition. I don't think the Arnold has it, but pretty much every other competition usually has a Masters of some sort. So it's not like this has never been seen before. And they even had it up until 2012. But with drugs nowadays, I just really hope we don't see like a legend get hurt. You know? Yeah. Uh, That'd be my... awful for them to go out that way. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I get it if it's what you love, like you do, you go out doing what you love. But at the same time, if you've gotten to the O and you've competed for a while and you finally managed to get yourself to step away and this is what brings you back and this is what takes you down, like, I think that would be the heartbreaking part. Yeah, I think it it would be kind of sad. Um, I don't I don't think it'd be fun to watch that happen. And like, I mean, Sean Roden's a good example of that. I mean, he just, it, it, he just didn't like, we didn't need to lose him, you know? And, and for what, I mean, it's just, it's just, it sucks. It sucks to see that happen. Um, I don't think anybody should kill themselves over something like this. Um, but that's just my opinion. I mean, I think that we're not going to see, <laughs> we're not going to see a, a lot more of uh Nick Walker. I don't think, I think that he's not going to be around for super long. I think, yeah, especially when he went back to Matt Jansen, it's like, okay, he just fucking signed his death sentence basically. Um, but I think that with, with men's masters is going to be, it's going to be a, um, a wild card, but I mean, August will, will kind of tell, and we're only going to know the athletes two weeks out from it. So we can only, That's ever wild. yeah, we can only ever speculate where with like the Arnold and the Olympia, Usually with the Arnold, we know who's going to compete by the time the Olympia happens or maybe just after if they haven't decided yet. But the Olympia, we know way ahead of time exactly who's going to be competing in it. Some people yeah, have to earn the qualification points. process. Yeah, some people have to earn the points. And sometimes we might not know until like maybe August or September or maybe October. But like most of the competitors will know way ahead of time. So, um, yeah, it's just an interesting world that we live in now to think that there's going to be fucking dudes 50 years old competing on the stage at the Olympia <laughs> Romania, East of East in Romania. But I mean, I'm glad that it's not like on the same stage as the men's Olympia or the Mr. Olympia, like the actual O um, because I don't want to see anybody try to compare themselves to each other. Like I don't want to see men's open and try to compare themselves to men's master, but I don't know. We'll see. I think that the classic physique, I really am interested to see, Masters classic physique, how that would look. I'm really interested in that. <laughs> Vacuums from some 40, 50 year old dudes. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's what's interesting is that like 
a lot of what's considered classic physique and like what the classic look is are younger guys right now. Like C-Bums, yeah. people say like C-Bum is arguably the first like real classic look in, in comparison to everybody else. So it's like what who's over 40 and is going to bring a classic physique look. I'm really I'm really interested in that because classic physique has also only really been around since like 2012, 2013. And even then it didn't get big until like 2018, 2019. So like yeah. classic physique was basically just guys who weren't big enough to compete in men's men's open and were too big to compete compete in men's physique. That's kind of what it was before, but then it became its like real own division as and has gotten so much popularity now that it's like the biggest division at this point, basically. But um, I'm really interested to see who can come in with a classic physique over 40 because there yeah. there was really no one competing. I mean, but I mean, okay, so whoever was competing maybe right at the start of class physique at the Olympia or the Arnold, all that time period i think they could potentially compete now because if you're 30 in 2012 you can compete this year easily in the and you'll be 41 and you'd clean house potentially but like they were the start of class of physique but they're not what's considered class of physique today yeah so i'm really interested to see who's going to be competing in that division um it's gonna be it's gonna be fun i'm excited for it but i'm also fucking terrified for men's open specifically i just really hope nobody gets hurt but um we'll see only time will tell i think that's kind of the the agreement you sign when you get into bodybuilding even if you're not pushing it that late like even younger guys like with what you do to your body and even if you not even look at it from an like an anabolic side just purely what you do to yourself uh, diet wise to gain the size and, you know, workout wise to be able to build the muscle and put on the, uh, the tone and definition, mm-hmm. just that alone is not, you know, productive to longevity and, and, and health in the future, because like that, that's why, you know, men's men's physique, that's like the closest I think we have to the healthy side of things in terms of bodybuilding. Um, yeah outside of the wheelchair division because that's just half your body um but (laughs) but i inherently what what is going on in the bodybuilding sport is not not designed for a super long life so i think it's kind of the card we sign when we decide to go down the paths that we do Mm -hmm. yeah um i i agree that men's physique is generally safer um than like other divisions just because this simply just the size. Um, we don't necessarily need to like men's physique competitors don't necessarily need to push as hard as, um, you know, men's open or classic physique or anything like that, because you don't need super, super weight to compete. I mean, a lot of these guys competing on the stage are under 200 pounds, um, especially yeah. on the shorter side. They're like, like, I mean, fucking if you're under like five, eight, I'd be surprised if you're over 180 on stage. Um, but then again, it's like, it's all about proportions and everything. So, I mean, um, I'm hoping that men's physique doesn't go in the direction of size. A lot of the regional shows are kind of doing that. Um, some national shows are kind of going the direction of size, but it's, they got to really keep the aesthetics when it comes to men's physique. But when it comes to drugs and what they're pushing, I mean, a lot of guys, men's physique really are never going above a gram of anything per week, which is good. It's good to see that, um, where like guys in men's open are pushing multiple grams of shit. I mean, Nick Walker is on multiple grams of shit. Oh, yeah. uh, 
So it's, you know, you got to be careful with that. I think that if there's any that you're going to, if you want to compete in and also stay pretty clean and pretty healthy, men's physique is the way to go because classic, you even have to push, especially if you don't have the genetics for it. Some guys are just built to have muscle size, regardless of drugs, but like classic, a lot of guys have to have to push, um, a lot of drugs to get to the point where, um, they have the size cause you need the size. So like men's physique is a good, is a good starting point, but then it gets immense classic. You have to push drugs and overall size to get to that level, um, by quite a bit actually. Um, because I mean, you can kind of compete in men's physique and classic, but if you really want to do good at classic, you need next level size in comparison to men's physique. So you got to push the drugs and that's where it gets dangerous is the off season drugs, because you're going to be, you're going to be messing with your heart. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's where at least it stands there, which actually on that note real quick, um, I'm on a new compound now. I like to add that. I like to be transparent about it. Um, sure. New compound now, which is um, Primavolin. So um, I like to be, you know, I, I, wanted to talk about this on the podcast because I want people to know kind of what it looks like. Um, so Tess, we moved up to, we slowly moved up to 250 gram, 250 milligrams, which is not that 250 much. grams. My God. I'd be, I'd be <laughs> Legitimately probably overdose on that. Um, I am a bull. <laughs> like that would be to hit 250 grams. You'd have to inject legit, like fucking 200. No. Let me see, like, if I were to do it right now with what I have right now, let me see if I can pull up my calculator. Fucking not used to Mac. Okay. So let's see. So if, let's say 200, I'd have to do 800 milliliters <laughs> injected. Hmm. <laughs> that would be like, that's like, that's literally almost a liter of testosterone. Yeah. Like we're, we're pushing almost a liter that you wouldn't be able to inject that. But if you did, you'd probably overdose. Um, but yeah, so 200 milligrams, <laughs> you could even, you would even die. Like you couldn't even, I mean, you inject it. It's that's how you absorb it. But like, I don't even know what happened if you drink it. I've never, I've never looked it up, but um, 250 milligrams to test. And then also 300, 300 milligrams of primobolin, um, 0.25 MG of capergoline and 12.5 milligrams. So two, uh, so 0.5 milligrams of uh capergoline once or weekly and then 12.5 milligrams aromasin every other day um so right now where i'm at i have pretty much no side effects which is great i'm responding really well to everything putting on size losing weight actually i'm losing like quite a bit of weight each week um this week i, I lost a pound and a half last week i lost i think another pound and a half so I'm losing weight right now, putting on size, um, essentially no side effects and getting stronger and getting leaner. And that's what steroids is going to do. Um, that's why we're pushing what my body responds to really, really well, which is DHT derivatives. Um, so for me, I respond really well to Primo. So the last time I took Primo was end of 2021. And I went from like 197, I think it was to like 191 and I gained I, I gained a bit of size and got leaner. So I lost six pounds with a span of like, I think it was like 12 weeks, I think. So it was about half a pound a week I was averaging and losing. But at the same time, I was gaining size. 
And that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm losing a lot of weight, but I'm getting a lot of size. Um, and everything's kind of filling out right now too, which is cool. Um, like my, like everything looks more full. I look more full when I'm training and in my posing and stuff like that versus when I was like on keto and I look flat as fuck um, all the time. I didn't realize how flat I looked until like recently when I started like really pushing the food and all of that. Like I'm not even really pushing that much anabolics even. It's less than, it's less than half a gram. We're not even at half a gram. So I'm really not pushing that much. Um, and I'm looking way fuller than I'm used to, which is great. Um, so it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting to be going through this cycle right now. I love it. I mean, it's, I feel so good all the time, especially in the gym. I mean, I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling, I get crazy pumps right now. Um, increasing the weight every single week for my logbook. So that's at least what I'm going through right now. And also like my biggest side effect is gyno. Um, it's the one thing that my body does is produces a lot of estrogen, but like we're perfectly right where it was. And I think, I think looking back, it wasn't necessarily the estrogen that my body was producing a lot of. It was the prolactin, which is why I'm taking the cabergoline. And by lowering my prolactin, I'm getting like no gyno side effects. Like it's gone. They're all gone. Um, so I think it was a prolactin that was kind of making that happen. Um, so that and then also keep my estrogen under control. Like I have literally like no side effects, a little acne here and there. I mean, a little, you know, a couple of pimples here and there, which is going to happen, but like nothing real, no real side effects right now, which is awesome. So yeah, so that's where I'm at at least. Um, I think I'm pushing like maybe 3,500 calories, something like that. Maybe a little less, um, a lot of protein. I have three meals of chicken right now. Um, a Greek yogurt meal, a steak meal, and then an egg meal. Um, and then I also have rice, Ezekiel bread, um, grits and sweet potato for my carbs. And then obviously vegetables, uh, throughout the day, greens, random greens here and there. So that's where I'm at, at least in my program right now. And we'll see what the future entails. I mean, I'm really gonna coach is like, you're really gonna start seeing changes for the next like three, four months. And then from there, I'll be pretty, I'll, I should be in a pretty lean, lean place. And then I should be able to start prepping for a show at that point. So I'm looking at, so if we're going to run this probably for 12 weeks is my guess, probably an August show is my guess, probably. I, um, so we'll see what show that's going to be, but probably August is going to be my NPC debut. And then hopefully I can place well and potentially look at something even better, but the time will tell and I'll just listen to what my coach says. So that's yeah. where I'm at. Nice. I mean, but, I'm, I mean, we did my little update at the beginning for what I'm looking at right now. So yeah. I don't really have to build too much on that. But <clears throat> it's more so, I guess, since I'm not going to be as strenuously training, I'll probably yeah. fluff up for the next six to eight months or <laughs> six to eight months, six to eight weeks. Um, and it's not going to be considerable by any means, but yeah. probably won't have as much tonage as I do right now, um, which is totally fine by me because... I'm still just trying to add size, size, size. So right now I'm not too worried about it, but just got got, got to see what the workout regime is going to be, especially after Wednesday when I find out what the uh, the yeah. call is going to be for the hand. And I I won't go with the second opinion. I'll go with what the first people tell me because I I can see the break. <laughs> it's yeah. splitting the bone. There's no reason for me not to listen to the first opinion. So yeah. <clears throat> that's kind of where I'm at. Um, did you see for the Arnold though? Uh, <laughs> did you see the influencers that were there? 
Did you see what like Jesse James West showed up as? <laughs> no. Why? He showed up in a Terminator outfit. <laughs> Let me see. It was pretty funny. Um, and then some of the panels were pretty cool too. Like Seabum did a panel with Hani. Um, so that was pretty cool to see. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, did, I did see that. Noel Diesel was there and he did a uh, panel as well. I'd like It was really cool to see some of the speakers that they had. I mean, granted, I expect it out of these big events anyways, but yeah. it's really awesome to see the community come together like that. Yeah, it's it's not – people forget that. It's not just a show. It's also an expo usually. It's like mm-hmm. an actual event. Well, it's um, like a actual – It's in reality, it's a four-day event, March 2nd through 5th. Like, Yeah, yeah. The shows take place Friday, Saturday, and then it actually also keeps going. So it's Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Saturday, Thursday Sunday. through Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Thursday so, through Sunday. Um, I want to go to the Arnold potentially next year. Um, that would be great. I also really want to go to the LA Fit Expo. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but that's a, obviously a trip. That's LA. So um, potentially next year, Arnold is within driving distance of me. Where was the Arnold this year? Columbus, in Columbus? Yeah, Ohio. I was say, um, let me see how far. Um, let me see if I can find out how far of a drive it is for me. I mean, Ohio's um, up there, man. You're you're uh, you're away. Six and a half hours. That's not too bad. I can do that in one day. That's not like that's easy. Yeah, I can leave at like six a.m. Get there just afternoon, maybe one or two o'clock. Yeah, that's not too bad. Um, you can fly there. It looks like uh, just over an hour flight. Um, going from Charlotte to Columbus would be just over an hour, give or take, and looking at like close to five hundred bucks. But that's a fucking shit ton. I'd hmm. change it out next year. Um, but yeah, do they, so we'll see. do they hold it in the same spot every year? Yeah, t- typically. Um, definitely the same city. I know it's in Columbus each year, but um, there was one year, I think. So there's a hotel that has Arnold's um, statue out the front of it, and they denied him like a free room or something, even though, like, huh. like. Like it was something ridiculous. So he was like, Oh, I'm not gonna hold the Arnold here anymore because they denied me a room or something. I forget what it was. There's some beef that happened a couple of years ago. Um I Imagine was... denying Arnold a room. Couldn't be me. Yeah, with his statue literally fucking like twenty feet away. Couldn't um, be me. <laughs> yeah, no, I they were probably fired. I don't know if anything really happened from it. I just remember him posting about it. So I'm not sure if it's in the same place it's always been. Um let me look up um Arnold Classic location history. Let me see if I can find out. Okay, that's a forbidden website. That's cool. Okay. Um let me see if I can find out the locations. Yeah, I can't really find the locations. Um, but it, it is it has been Columbus for I think like fucking ever. Um since the beginning. But Olympia has hopped around quite a bit. Uh, it's even taken place in other lo- in other countries. Um, I think. Let me look up the Olympia again. Um, yeah, see, like there's France, Germany, Australia, West Germany, Belgium, Sweden. Um, the last time it was international was Finland in 1992. Dorian Yates won there. His first Olympia was the one in Finland, Helsinki. But then after that, it was Atlanta for a few years, then Chicago for a year, LA for a year, New York for a year, and then Las Vegas is really where it found its home. Um, I mean, um, the States is where modern day consumerism is thriving. So you just have to value the the 
commercial side of things. So. Yeah. And, and on top of that, the United States is the biggest bodybuilding industry. Like there's yeah. no other country that can even come close to comparing to the US. Um, people would argue like Russia, like Eastern Russia or Western Russia, I mean, with like the IFBB elite um, division, but it's not even close, not even fucking close. Um, bodybuilding is truly in America. It is truly yep. like really where it, it thrives, especially like California. Like that's where like the golden era came from. Um, people like Jay Cutler, Arnold, Arnold moved to Venice, California because of the bodybuilding. Like that's why he moved out here. So not here specifically, but like to the U S he moved out to LA for that. So it's like, um, it, this is where it's really supposed to be. Um, so it's, it's definitely interesting. Oh, there we go. Classic physique started in 2016 for the Olympia. Nice. So that's cool. Yeah. Danny Hester, Danny Hester, Brian Ainsley, and then Chris Bumstead. <clears throat> Those are the three winners of the classic physique so far. Um, and the 212 started in 2012 men's physique started in 2013. Um, but yeah, so this is the world we live in. I mean, it's a great, great industry here. We're in the we're in the place to be. But I just fucking wish anabolics were legal. Fuck the FDA, <laughs> dude. <laughs> they try right, to well, say drink, drinking orange juice is better than beef, but whatever. And I mean, that's just where we are right now. It's subject yeah. to change. Yeah, it'll change. But <laughs> I think it's a good uh, good episode. We'll call it a day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as always, guys, uh, keep tuning in. And if we hit our usual uh, viewer count, uh, we will hit 1K views after this episode. So that is a uh, big milestone. Uh, next week, we'll sure talk about it. But until then, guys, uh, we will see you guys next week. See you guys. Bye, everybody.